Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Lads, it's on. We're back. How are you? We back. I haven't seen it's on in a while. I know, right? It's kind of sad. They lost the rights to Brian Burke. <laughs> <laughs> that and it's been like a month and a half. Maybe the commercial doesn't really apply anymore. I think losing Brian Burke for it's on is going to be the same thing as the golden goal for Sportsnet. I don't know about that. I wouldn't compare that. Like for was, us, it's oh. like this generation, it's like the golden goal. We can't see it on sports. And even when Steve Dangle mentions it, but for our kids, it's going to be like Brian Burke. It's on. On Sportsnet. Yes. Quit clowning around. It's on. Quit clowning around. Let's get the podcast going, guys. Before we do get into that, though, some good news happened last week. I just want to really mention this because back in the day, the first Pokemon game I ever played was Pokemon Diamond. I had a Piplup as my starter Pokemon, and Cynthia was so difficult for final boss, I had to restart. And I chose Chimchar, and I destroyed her afterwards with my, with my, with my Infernape. Last week, they announced that at the end of the year, we're going to finally get the Diamond and Pearl remakes. I'm so happy. I just wanted to mention that. On you pre-order both already? Uh, well, they don't have the release date, so it's not up yet. Okay. Um, I might, I might do both. If I Why have to choose one, I'm going diamond. But I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Made a joke that seven-year-old Adam was losing his stuff. Twenty-one-year-old Adam is is playing Pokemon again, and he's gonna be. So, it's such a good year for 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 Adam, you know. High he's five, not- seven-year-old Adam. What? High five, seven-year-old Adam. Yeah, he's a great guy. Like we did it, buddy. Yeah. That the Lego Star Wars games coming out in spring. It's just gonna be a, it's gonna be a great year. It's gonna be an like, expensive year. That's fine. I'm okay with that. I'll dig. I'll dig. I'll dig a deep hole of debt for myself. That's not a problem. I don't no. know. Man, you know what sucks though <laughs> um, about the financial situation right now. It affects everyone, especially the NHL teams. And I was having a real good look at, um, what do you call it, at, at Cat Friendly, trying to figure out where some teams could trade certain players. And I was thinking, man, there is just no cap everywhere. There's so much LTIR. But anyway, that doesn't deter the good folks like Craig Custins and good old, I always mess up his name, do hatch check. I didn't say that right, did I? Do I check? Yeah. But anyway... They did the good old annual athletic trade board. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to take a second later on to really focus on the guys in Buffalo on the list because they deserve their own sort of sequence. But what I've asked the guys to do here is each of us have two names. Daniel will have Daniel. more than two. <laughs> Naturally. Um, and there are two players, and we're going to maybe look at where they could go, where it would make sense. Try and bear with us if there's some cap situations here because we don't know what's happening. LTIR is a mess. Teams are banking cap space. The Blues have like $15 million, but they don't really because Tarasenko's coming back soon. Tampa Bay are ridiculous. So 
Um, I guess I'll start with you, Alex. And who are your two guys and where do you think they're going? Uh, so my first guy is Matthias Ekholm. Obviously, we pretty much know he, he's going to be one of the – if they decide to become sellers, uh, he's one of the guys that's going to go from Nashville. Um, I have three teams written down here that I, I think could go after Ekholm. And, and I think the important thing with Ekholm – is that he has another year at I believe it's around three and a half, three point two five million, which which I think is a bargain for a guy like Matthias Ekholm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the three teams, Winnipeg, could always use an extra defenseman. Uh, like I in in when we did our uh, what did we call it, the off season rankings, we said they took a single step forward. Mm-hmm. I think adding Matthias Ekholm. Is multi like I think is multiple steps forward because it, he's that impressive of, of a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have Boston up there uh, for Matthias Ekholm just because. Yes, they're dominating, but what I see from a lot of Bruins fans is I see them saying they want to add a guy in the back end, mm-hmm. um, and and I think Ekholm is cheap. I think and he's good. And he's left-handed, which is they lost two left-handed defensemen in the offseason. My last one is Edmonton. I mean, the la- yes, they went on a really good stretch, but I think their hole is still it, – it's still defense. And I don't know how you're going to really fix the goaltending situation, but I think adding Matthias Ekholm could be very useful in f- fixing your defense situation. Um, my second guy, Bobby Ryan. I I don't I have two specific teams, but I think it, it's more broad than just these guys. It's Colorado and Tampa Bay, plus any contender looking to solidify their forward depth. I think Bobby Ryan, you can he's a guy you can place anywhere in the lineup, and he'll be useful. Um, and I think because he's cheap, he and it's only this year. That's why I put Tampa Bay on the list specifically, because I think they could be looking for a guy um, to slot into your bottom six. Like I, no matter what, I think Bobby Ryan is useful wherever mm-hmm. you put him. Mm-hmm. Two useful players there. Um, Bobby Ryan really revitalized his career um, when he returned from um, personal issues last year and had a great start with Detroit. And then Ekholm, just a real defend, like a real defenseman. You know what I mean there. Um, all right, Daniel, you've, you've got a few guys here. And again, we're going off of the um, the Craig Custons and the Eric Dehatchek. I know I'm not saying his name right. They're new, the athletic trade, but we're not going to go through every name because read the article, dummies. You're not dummies. We love you viewers, but go read the article because we want to support riders. Daniel, who do you have? Where are they going? What trades do you think are going to happen? All right. So um, I have three guys, but I'll put two together because they kind of serve the same role. So that is Philip Forsberg mm-hmm. and Mikael Grundlin. And they're both going to be UFAs at the end of this year. They both play the left side. They've both had experience with center, with playing center. And it's really the way Nashville is right now that, it's just inconceivable to bring back everybody with the quality they've been um, having. It's the same issue with Matthias Ekholm. And, you know, there's Mikhail Grunland took a bit of a pay cut because he, he waited quite a bit to go back to Nashville. Um, he was someone that I thought people would 
kind of take a chance on, but you know, he stayed there with Mike Hoffman for quite a bit on the open market. Um, if I, if I could kind of gauge where he's kind of going to go, um, it's definitely going to be a team that's going to think that, okay, we need the depth. Um, and the two teams I think about are the St. Louis blues, even though it's in the same division and in a way, the Tampa Bay lightning. And the reason I think about that is because we know he's not going to come back. Nashville just wants to get some form of an asset. Like we didn't know that they were going to lose the Kevin Fiala trade. I really did not see that coming. And I think it's at a point now where they'll be willing to retain salary to get maybe a better asset out of it or what they can kind of get, even though he could just walk away. Um, the second thing with Philip Forsberg is I'm not really sure what a return would be. If you asked me maybe two years ago, I'd say like a really low first round pick and the prospect. But at this point, it's the same thing where I could see a team maybe giving a B prospect like in a second and maybe another low draft pick. Really? For Philip Forsberg. It really depends because... Wait, for Forsberg or for Granlund? For Forsberg, because I kind of see it this way where they're going to be in a bit of a bind and the way his cap hit is, is it's not something that's going to be movable. Very, like not a lot of teams could absorb that 6 million. Again, yeah, Nashville could probably retain half of that, but at the same time, like I don't know where Nashville is going to be. Maybe they'll get something for him, but again, like there's no security with it. And I'm just really kind of mindful about the money aspect for that. Um, I guess my last guy is Dylan Strom. And it's because I've been such a huge fan for him. I've always wanted him to succeed. I wanted mm-hmm. him to do so well. And then his, when he comes to Chicago, I'm like, finally, finally, we see the potential. Finally, he's becoming what he's supposed to be. And I know that there's a lot of hurdles right now that he's on concussion protocol and he's not in the lineup right now. This happened. This was an update three days ago by CBS Sports. But it, it just, it's an interesting situation because he's getting $3 million this year. And that's not bad, but he's not performing the way that I think the Blackhawks expected him to be mm-hmm. that, you know, in hindsight, I thought they absolutely robbed the Coyotes when they got Brandon Perlini and Dylan Strom for Nick Schmaltz. And now I'm seeing Strom going back to his old habits where he's a minus five right now. He has eight points in 19 games. And I think this is exacerbated by the fact that, you know, you don't have Jonathan Taves. You don't have Kirby Doc. This is a time for you as a center to make the most out of your situation. And you've let other young guys bypass you. You let, Pius Sutter, who was signed in the offseason. I know he's a bit older, but he's made the most of the situation, and he's playing center. He's got like seven goals, right? Yeah. Well. By the way, um, if, if they get Taves back this year, because we don't know what's going on, and it, when they get Doc back, the way they're playing, like, Blackhawks could make more. I mean, their defense is terrible, but, I mean, the, there's something like Patrick Kane. He's not a, a good season. Patrick in to bring cats back 11 goals, I think. Right. So I, I chose two guys very like for very specific reasons. So I got Dustin Brown who is number 19 on the list and has had a much like a revitalization, like the, for the third time in his career, he's got two more years left on his contract. So it's not all of a sudden an albatross anymore. Still maybe a lot to take in, but if you're the Kings, if it's only two years, you can take it. You're not going to be paying anyone for the next few years. Um, you know, the Dowdy, Anze Kopitar stuff will catch up for you, but I think you can really like, afford to take Dustin Brown. He's a big body. 
apparently he's lost some weight. So, you know what, there's, there is a very, very obvious fit here. I can see big power forward, right winger, come on down the Boston Bruins, David Krejci, you know, he's not the fleetest of foot, but, you know, he's a great playmaker, a fantastic player. I don't think he's scored, unfortunately, yet this year. But I think in the way the Bruins play, I think they can they can make this work. I really like Dustin Brown. What he's sort of – remember when – who was the guy that the Kings hired before McLennan who, like, revitalized Dustin Brown? But then he was gone after, like, a season because the Kings were a joke. I can't remember his name, but, you know, you remember it, Right. I, I, I think there's even at like 34, like there's some value with Dustin Brown, right? I don't know if the Kings are going to want to move him, but he's on the list. And I think, I think it's not going to be easy with this cap hit, but I still think there's value with Dustin Brown. Another it, guy I have. Is it Willie Desjardins? No, it wasn't Willie. J- John Stevens? John Stevens. That there was, it is. Yes. Remember Willie Desjardins. Remember how much of a mess it was when he took over there? Because he kept doing dump and chase. I remember that. Yeah. God damn it. And my guy at number 10, I have Kyle Palmieri. And I was looking at the age of all of the New Jersey Devils players, and it's I think the only guys over 30 are like him and Travis Ajak. And it's kind of – there's been a connection to be made. Like He's kind of like this year's Chris Kreider, that is he going to move, is he going to re-sign? And it feels like every year around this time, it's like, what's going to happen with Kyle Palmieri? And a team that I like their top-end talent, but I still think they need some more goal support, especially because I still don't trust their goaltending. And no offense, the only goalie on here I see of no is Chris Drieger, and the Panthers are going to be mad if they move him. I think that the Hurricanes should go get Cal Palmieri. I think they have the assets for it. You could give him Jake Bean if you really wanted to because you have plenty of defensemen. So I think you could definitely sweeten the deal and try and get Cal Palmieri out of New Jersey. I think that would be a really, really good move. Um, I guess that's interesting. You brought up Jake Bean, by the way, because I remember reading past articles before about the Hurricanes, and they're going to be in a going to be in a bit of a bind when it comes to the fantasy. I'm not fantasy draft, sorry, <laughs> the expansion draft. It's um, pretty much a fantasy draft. Yeah, where you know you're going to have to decide where you have that top four already established, signed long term, but then what about Hayden Fleury or Jake Bean and what's going to happen to these guys? And, you know, are you going to use them as assets to, you know, go for another run? Don't trade Hayden. We need that rivalry with Kale in Montreal. I want to keep that alive. It's a rivalry I'm still trying to grasp onto against Carolina. Let's see when Rob Brindamore becomes the coach because I'm, I, I really hope he speaks French. No, unless Ducharme does a good job, then, which he is so far. We'll talk about that a little later along with the Leafs and all that. Continuing on the trade front, though, on this trade board, number two, very, very interesting years, Jack Eichel. Now, we've been talking about Buffalo for a while now, and the question of him getting traded, it will probably, I would be, if I was a betting man, which I am not, I would put money on this move does not happen during the regular season. There's just too much in the way of that. And there's a quote in this article that an athletics, the athletics spoke to an executive for a team, and that executive said that if – you had to make a guess. Eichel is probably going to be a Ranger. If you think back to the summer, remember that one random thread Bob McKenzie threw out? And he mentioned that there was connections and, and maybe there was a call between the Rangers and Buffalo about Jack Eichel. I wonder what that deal even looks like and just how badly you do not, or how badly you lose that trade. 
because you, you don't win it. You never you don't win it. win it. You can't win it. Uh, and like, I mean, Buffalo, how many times have Buffalo done it? Like they've taken their star guy or their big name and lost the trade. Like it's difficult. And, and I think we've had this discussion before. Like when a player wants out, you've already lost value. Yeah. Look at the Ryan O'Reilly trade. You have nothing from that, or it feels like you have nothing from that. Tage Thompson. Yeah. What and what is Tage Thompson? Big guy. <laughs> you just look at the other okay side. Okay, on sh- pretty good on shootouts. Great. Yeah. That helps. Um. Yeah, it's just it's weird. It's just maybe I was a bit hopeful where they were gonna be able to turn things around. That you know you got Eric Stahl to kind of settle the locker room. You had other pieces coming. That, you know, maybe I just thought maybe if you get a guy like Eric Stahl to kind of settle, yeah, the locker room settle Taylor Hall in a way that you, you figure something out. But then it's the same thing. Like Jeff Skinner is a healthy scratch. That's another thing where the agent is getting involved where it's like, hey, guy, like, what are you going to do? But like, who is going to take Jeff Skinner at nine million per year at this point? No. And nobody. And no when you talk about the old trades, you talk about not being able to kind of keep guys in the lineup. Like, even if I go as far back as like, you know, Dominic Cash didn't want to stay there. Um, they lost Jason Palmerville and Danny Breyer in their prime when they were technically a contending team. They went to the conference finals in 2007 and then they just couldn't keep anybody. And then the guys who were even loyal to the team, they traded Jason Palmerville. I know they got him back, but you know, they traded him when he was their captain because they wanted to get assets. And then, what do you get out of it? You got Nikita Zadora out of it. So it's just another like part of this where it's, you know, you, you won with Jack Eichel, you were able to get him and you're just, it's, it's, they're wasting it again. That a lot of poor drafting, what, what's been a criticism for them too, before I remember, um, I cannot recall the author, but it was in the athletic where you really look at their draft history that, yeah, you hit on the second overall pick, but what do you get? Like from rounds two to seven, who's not named Victor Olofsson? Not a whole lot. It's a very good point. It, just something, something's not right, and and I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what it is, and we, I think we were talking about this last night, Adam. You don't have a goal scorer like Jeff Skinner completely fall off the face of the earth in one off season. He is not a forty goal guy. But he was always 20, 30 skates like the wind in his Carolina days. And then you bring in Taylor Hall, who, okay, him in the last year with Arizona and New Jersey, not the greatest year. But he won the MVP. Like, he's won an MVP. This It's not like you've taken a player who's okay. You've taken a guy who won, how many years ago? Two or three years ago. And he has one goal yeah. or two. I, I think it's one. So what's going on? Question. Is yeah. Taylor Hall a Columbus Blue Jacket at the end of the year? And do that again? They're going to try to go for it. They have the cap space. If, if Yarmo Kekalainen's doing that again, I wouldn't be surprised. And I wouldn't be surprised if he tried to lock him up long term too. Who do you think goes this time? Because I know that 
they gave up the 19th overall pick, and then it ended up becoming Lassie Thompson. But I don't. Would you think they would be willing to do that again? They you think? Going. You think he's worth? You do you think on if? And you think if he was if they were open to trading Taylor Hall, a team would be willing to give up a first round pick for Taylor Hall based on his performance the last half season? Sensing the MVP. Yeah. No, he's not going to get it unless like Tampa or Colorado or like I don't I don't see the fit with Colorado anymore. I think if you get him at best, he's playing like the third line and he just disrupted. Like, is he going to? I think he's just going to disrupt what's. Like, like not saying he's a bad guy, but like, I think it just he's gonna disrupt what what's already going so well for them. I think if you're doing a Columbus deal, you trade one of the goalies because they apparently have like this this European guy too who's just been in the wings, and there was the, the Corpus Salo rumors. And if you're Buffalo, it's like, yeah, you have Allmark, who's good, but he's hurt. And then it's like, what is Carter Hutton? Not good. He had one good year in St. Louis. We all remember it. Mm. We still don't know what's up with Uka Pekalukanen. And there's this other young goalie. But at the same time, goalies are juggling act at this point. We don't know. A.K.A. look at Jordan Bennington. What is he? We don't know. He's a fighter. I don't know. No, you you make a a good point with Columbus. I don't know if now's the right time for them to do that deal because they seem to be in a bit of a rut lately. But they just they can't other, score, but everything else is okay. I mean, which with which Taylor yeah. Hall would fix that solution if he was actually playing like Taylor Hall, but unfortunately, he's not. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what's going on with it. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just I don't want to get into that. Uh, conversation where people say it's because he's overrated that, it, that like it's just not it was just actually never there but like, Jack no, Eichel? Like, no Jack Eichel Taylor Hall oh where like these past few seasons he's really kind of really fallen off but I he's still in his prime like I still believe that he could still be a productive player it's just like what what it's really missing at this point like there's that elite center already there's a situation where he's going to get the minutes Regardless of how he's playing, he's not a ninety-point player. No, same as Skinner. He had the one career year, but if you look at the history of Taylor Hall, the player on Hockey DB, he's a sixty-point guy. Maybe get you twenty if he's getting really good at thirty goals. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he could be ninety points if he played with Connor McDavid. But then it's just when you think of his style of play, and he's the type of guy that just like loves to carry the puck. Well. If you're, I don't know. If I'm the type of guy, if you love to carry the puck, well then, start shooting, scoring it. I see he's making plays, but at the same time, well, uh, if you're that level of player, if you're eight million dollars, you need to do it all. That's what I think. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what Taylor Hall is. It's weird. It's funny. Like it's gonna be a funny example because it's not in real life. But like what I've seen in the NHL games too is like you'll get one year of a Taylor Hall. Like ninety points in the next year, he puts up like fifty. Yes, yes. Not saying it's the biggest indicator, but it's just like the NHL games know something we don't. <laughs> Does Casey Middlestack grow in go in the game? Do you put him in the right situation? Yeah. No, you you put him at the age of nineteen as the second line center. Yeah, instead of sending him to school, right? Is that yeah. how they brought him up too early? <laughs> you wanted to say something about Casey Middlestack, Daniel. I did, and it's just 
it's the same thing with the Dylan Strom situation where it's been a few years already, not saying he's an old guy, but it just, you have to kind of have an understanding now of what do you have in this guy? What do you have in Casey Middlestad? Because he's a skilled guy. He absolutely dominated in um, the real juniors. He played university hockey. And the problem is with that skill is he can't play in the bottom six. But at the same time, like you have Jack Eichel, you have Eric Stahl, you have Dylan Cousins, who I think has jumped over him, you know, dunked over him on the depth chart. That what are you going to be able to do with this guy now? Where no. it's just a, it's just a thing now. It's like you can't send him back down, and you, you can't exactly say like, all right, you know, we're going to give you more responsibility because you really haven't shown that you've been able to kind of run with that when we've given you that role. Why does Dylan Cousins have to fight? By the way, why? Why is he fighting? Stop it. Stop it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Shouldn't have to. I know you can't strengthen all, but stop. <laughs> but I think what Daniel says, said stems a com- another relatable question. Then what the hell is his trade value? Uh, the reclamation project, young Sutherman. Well, we we had that we had that with Lias Anderson, and that was a fourth round pick. Yeah, maybe that's so. A- so if that that, and if you're Kevin Adams, I I don't think he's actually made a trade, has he? No, off the top of my head, uh, no. off the top of my head, I, I I couldn't tell. I don't think he's made a trade. Imagine your first trade as an NHL general manager for the Buffalo Sabers is trading Casey Middlestat for a pick, and for not sure. a top pick. Right? Or he has to trade Jack Eichel, which also looks likely. Yeah, yeah. Or he has to trade Jack Eichel. Like, and, and and again, like we those questions come back from the summer. Was bringing in Kevin Adams the right move for the team or the right move for the owners? Um, Cap friendly has Kevin Adams. He's made two trades, um, basically moving picks around. Um, he actually moved up. To actually select John Jason Paterka. Okay. Uh, That's pretty good. Yeah. And he made the Eric Stahl deal, sending. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Fun not fact bad. about that. I didn't know that until I did some research. Kevin Adams and Eric Stahl won the cup together with Carolina. Really? Um, yeah, I didn't know that. Because well, he was a player, wasn't he? Yeah. Yes. And then looking at like his signings and that, yeah, it's it's around there, it's around there. It's like, uh, you're Taylor Hall, but like, apparently Kevin Adams doing his thing. All right, not terrible. I mean, but, you know, we'll see. Again, yeah, that's bad. Taylor Hall one goal. Uh, I'll tell you, who else only has one goal. Jake Vertanen. And for some reason, we didn't talk about it last episode because you weren't on here, Daniel. What does a Vertanen Denton Hyden deal do for anyone? It gets two guys out of situations where they've struggled severely. Because Danton Heinen had that, you know, one and a half good year, good years with uh, the Bruins. And he looked like a, a good, solid, you know, goal scorer. And then he gets traded for Nick Ritchie, who I think that trade's burned Anaheim. They traded Nick Ritchie way too early. And Sorry, say that again. It was just a little difficult to hear you. Um, they got burned with trading Nick Ritchie for Danton Heinen because Nick Ritchie has really embraced that role. Like he's become what the Bruins thought they were getting with David Backus, who ironically is also on Anaheim. Yeah. And 
when they tried to kind of get something for Heinen to help with that top six, it just hasn't worked out either. And he's getting surpassed like crazy on the depth chart. Like he he is playing like fourth line minutes. He was a healthy scratch. I I don't know if he has a future with Anaheim. And it's just going to be a swap of two guys that are struggling in both their current teams. And Jake Rattan is kind of like the Ducks, you know, the brand type of guy where you lose a guy like Nick Ritchie to bring in some skill, then it didn't work. So let's get back a guy that we know is going to fit the system. So for those of you who are not aware, there seems to be these on-again, off-again talks between the Canucks trading Jake Furtanen to um, the Ducks for Danton Heinen. It's been reported it's broken off a couple times or some salary stuff, but we, we all know that that doesn't mean the trade is off. You know, famously, that three-way trade that saw Matt Duchesne go into Ottawa a few years ago, earlier in the week of that trade coming out, it was actually, it apparently had fallen through. I remember the reports about it from Friedman. I just like if you're the Canucks, this is the move, Alex. This is this is the move. No, <clears throat> like, I, it's it's really it's really weird because at this point, for me, it feels like Jake Vertanen is turning into a reclamation project for a team. Yes. Because I, I think the Canucks projected him as a top six winger along with a lot of other people, and he's just not that right now. And I don't know if he's going to be that on this team. So what type of teams are going to be interested in this? I mean, he had 18 goals last year. He's going to hit 20. It's just, there's no one around him. It feels like, this might be kind of stupid of me to say, but you know what? Um, let's look at certain players. Like uh, We'll talk about this guy a little later. I really, really want to. Jonathan Druin is not the guy on the team, but if he's a supporting cast member, he's great. Again, this is going to sound really dumb. They need depth in Vancouver really badly. And it feels like the first guy you count on for said depth is Jay Vertanen. Is he the depth guy? Does he have to lead the depth score? See how it sounds even... No, what I, do I, you I, mean? Uh, say, uh, I, I don't. What What are you trying to say? He is the he is the man who must lead the depth scoring. I don't know. The Canucks suck. But that that's the thing. That that's the exact thing. Is what are what are you doing trying to trade Jake for Tannen? Like, what value does he have to to other teams? The way yeah, that's I, the question. Yeah. The yeah, way I, I kind of see it is sorry, sorry go on. Adam. Um, I think he's kind of guy where. You know, we've seen in the past where he played with a lot more veterans and that's when you saw, you know, a glimpse of consistency. And then suddenly when the team gets a lot younger, um, you'll see him struggle even more. And the way I kind of see him, and I don't know if you agree with this, Alex, but I can actually see him going to the Leafs because there's already that core of, yeah, we don't need you to score. We don't need you to kind of show that consistency, but you know, we'll put you on the third line and you'll do your thing. But the thing, but at the same time, like you have guys who are accountable and I don't think the Canucks have that veteran. Like who do they have? Brandon Sutter. Who apparently they're interested in trading. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you don't have a Joe Thor. You don't have a Jason Spezza. You don't have a Jake Muzzin there to kind of go like, Hey, you know, we're going to hold you accountable to how you're playing. I don't hate that deal, by the way, Daniel. I don't hate that. I, I don't hate it. But I don't know if it's the move. Like, where are you going to put 
the, the question would become if that's the deal to make, where are you going to put Jay for Tannen? Because right now what, what they seem to have, and we'll, we'll see what they look like tonight with Matthews back. But I'm very, I'm very fond of the third line. They, they, they've, been playing the last couple of games in Hyman McCabe and Engvall. Like the only thing I'd say is, hey, if you can go get a third line center that's better than Pierre Engvall, but where are you going to put Jake Vertanen? That's my question. And what are you giving up for him? Mm-hmm. Jimmy VC. <laughs> I mean, at so, this point, Jimmy VC has the same value as Danton Hyman. <laughs> like, I don't know about you guys, but to me, this. It feels like Vancouver is trying to recoup assets for a not so great prospect. And yeah, I don't, I don't even think of him as a prospect anymore. So go on, yeah. yeah well, sorry. a, a fa- more of a failed prospect that didn't turn out. Like you're trading the two point two five million dollars, right? Because he, remember, he makes two point two five million dollars next year, and they're going to have to resign Hughes and Pedersen this summer. And Demko, by the way. That's not where the crappy money is. Like, we all know where the crappy money is. This isn't new. It's yeah. it's uh, Roussel, it's Beagle, it's Erickson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's 12 million right there. Like, right. So you're, you're going to get rid of Jake Vertanen, who you're getting back. Like, what is Danton Heinen going to do for your team? I Not see really a lot that. more. Sorry, I I know what Vertanen is. You know what? A lot of people will harp on the one goal, but do you know what? Again, examples. I know what David Krejci is. I know what Phil Deneau is. Even remember when Riley Sheehan didn't score to the last game of the year? <laughs> yeah, I know what Riley Sheehan is. You know, he was good on the Penguins. Like I still think, I still think there is a lot of value with Vertanen, and. It, uh, again, it, it's he's now become a victim of the Jim Betting stuff, as you're kind of, you know, you can kind of pick out what Alex is saying here with the thing. Uh, 2.5 for him, I don't think is bad. Like, knowing what he is this season, of course, it looks terrible. But again, who's he, is he playing with, like, what, Zach McEwen and, like, insert random guy you've probably never heard of? I don't know. It's, it's keep an eye on it. I think, I think he will, by the way, benefit the Ducks. I think he would, I don't think he would look terrible with, like, a, Who's their third line center, and why do I want to say like Steel or Lundestrom? But I could be. Um, it like switches a lot because they never really have a consistent lineup. But uh, fair enough. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a toss up because Zegers played center last game, but then like he would play a few games on the wing. It feels like oh, sorry. Just before we move on, it mm-hmm. feels like we're it feels like Jake Vertanen has turned into the scapegoat for the Vancouver Canucks. That's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, I don't understand like, why. Like, he's your scapegoat. Why? You have – and, and I still don't understand how he's currently in a job. But you have a general manager who signed how many players to how many garbage contracts. To contracts that we – day one they were signed, knew would screw them over. Can you imagine if, like, they signed, you know – Chris Tanev instead of keeping Louis Erickson. Like, that's been a huge blow for them. Howard Toffoli would have been huge. Or, you know, like a, all the guys they gave up to uh, the Flames. Yeah. 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 Hey, that, that's the real value in Jake Vertanen. He has a lot of value to Montreal because he helped them get uh, Toffoli. 
It's weird. We have some Marley stuff to talk about, and I'll, I'll bring it up here. First order business. The Marleys have named a captain, and you know what? There is. It speaks to the level of coverage in Toronto about the Leafs that it bleeds into the AHL as well. And the fact that I know how hardworking Rich Clune is and how he is most like the most deserving AHL captain I've ever known is incredible to me. But Rich Clune, Mr. Warkenhard in the gym, has been named the captain of the Toronto Marlies. Do you guys have a thought on Rich Clune? Uh, yeah, like I, he, I thought he, if I'm being honest, I thought he was the captain last year already. But, um, you know, it's more than just the guys who covered the team. To say something, I was listening to an interview with Trevor Moore this morning, talking about it, and like he obviously he spent years with the Marlies and he was there during their Calder Cup run, and and even he was saying like this guy deserves to be captain, and I think he's not the best player, he really isn't, but he is very. It feels like he's a very influential guy in that locker room, leadership wise, and and he. A hundred percent deserves it. Mm-hmm. It's a gritty guy. Like I remember, um, I don't know. This is time where like Nashville was always signing these undrafted guys that ended up becoming like really valuable. Like Rich Clune played for the the Preds at the same time that they got Joel Ward, and they just been able to kind of you know model these guys that became leaders. And yeah, like Rich Clune, he's gonna play that that you know that depth grinding role but he is someone that i'm i'm happy that he's the captain that he's a bit of a stabilizing voice in the locker room for a lot of the younger guys that are going to be there so um mm-hmm. yeah I, I i wish him the best also I'll, I'll say it because it's written in the doc but you know i hate this stuff marley's legend alex Stalock has been claimed by the edmonton oilers off of waivers a really good story here because he revealed apparently he was fighting some sort of heart condition related to covid um, a good story, and the Oilers have another goalie. Apparently, the plan is for them is to carry three goalies because they have been screwed by waivers and goaltending all year. Yeah, it might be the smart thing to do. Yeah. yeah. Again, um, I'm happy yeah. for him. Um, yeah, like what I've said before, like he was the starter in the plan around for the Wild. Like Devin Dubnik was already like he was on his way out. And He's a guy that, you know, he's waited a while. I remember um, there was a bit of frustration when he was actually with the Marlies. If you look at his stats, he only played three games for the Marlies. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, he was in he the was James part of the trade. James, yeah. Yeah, the James Reimer trade. And uh, he's waited a while to play. Like, only now he's a consistent play, like, player in the NHL. He's 33. And I'm happy for him. I know that there's been a lot of setbacks with injuries. Like, he was slated to, you know, compete with the uh, – with the starting role for with Cam Talbot and um, Capo Kokinen in Minnesota, and he gets a chance with Edmonton. Like he he's arguably going to be better than like what is it Troy Grossneck that they got originally, yes. and then Stuart Skinner's not ready at all. No, no, he's not. I won eight five. That was a crazy game. Ah, thought on Alex Stalock. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, other than, sorry, I can, you completely caught me off guard there. Um, listen, I'm very, I'm glad the Oilers got a third goalie who's not Troy Grosnick or Anton Forsberg. Like he's a he's a legit. I I would argue Alex Stalock is a an NHL goalie. Yeah. I think mo- most people would. I mean, listen, the goaltending situation in Edmonton is. Is something else uh, with, I mean, Mike Smith 
was putting up very good numbers um, up until he played Toronto, unfortunately. He didn't allow a goal in relief. He's still playing well. What are you talking about? <laughs> he only has the, one the first... Okay, fine. But, I mean, okay. <laughs> How dare the... you, you disrespect the work of um... – Okay, I'm just telling you what's happened in the past, and I'm just taking past trends and throwing them into the present. Yeah, but um, for now. Okay, for now. Okay, for now. If listen, I uh, whatever. Mike Smith and like Miko Koskinen, my God. Poor, poor guy. I can't. I, who let um, who let Peter Shirelli let's let sign this contract? Daryl Cates. And and then three days later, fire or whatever. A week later, fire him. Daryl Cates. <sighs> Uh, how in the hell did we go from Alex Stalock? Sorry, but Alex, Alex Stalock bullying. The, yeah, the sorry. Yeah. No, no, but the the Alex Stalock I think would be a is a good addition to their roster, and to be honest, he might surprise. Yeah, I like Stalock. Great name too. Yeah. Um, speaking of goaltending, by the way, I like his first name. Sorry, before we move on. Yeah. Great. Actually, before that, we'll we'll talk on more AHL news. We'll switch over to the Laval Rocket for a second. A third-round pick back in the 2019 draft defenseman, Gianni Fairbrother. He got to play a few games for Laval. Uh, same with Caden Gooley, actually. And Fairbrother clearly impressed in his three games because he just got his entry-level deal. Um, really good for the kid. And Everett Silvertip, so, you know, the same organization that Noah Jilson came from. One of you guys also have something about the North Vancouver BC. Why did I say BC? We all know where Vancouver is. Uh, is it itself? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know why. Why would you put North Vancouver? That's so weird. Anyway, um, you guys. You say like, North Toronto? No. Yeah, no one says I mean, like, "Yo, I'm from." What's north of? I don't even remember. North of Toronto, York region. Aurora. I'm from. I wasn't gonna go as far as Aurora, no, but that's fine. otherwise I would have said Brampton. It's like but. forty minutes Thunder from me. Bay. <laughs> I'm from Nunavut. Northern, north of Ontario? North Canada. North of Ontario. Who cares about Vancouver? Sorry, Canucks. You're a bad hockey team. Johnny Fairbrother. Mm -hmm. Is that how you say his first name? I said it three ways in my head. We have to talk about is it like an Italian? It's Italian. For sure. I don't. God damn it! Never mind. All right. Well, um, I added this to the doc because I just absolutely love his name. Oh, his first or last name? Both. It just works so well. Like, it's like Gianni Fairbrother. Like he's already our bro from his name. Okay. Um. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, great on him for getting a contract. You know, I love I love that. But yeah, it's just his like amazing name. Shall we talk about the Vesna trophy? Yeah, yeah. Come All on, right. Go ahead. So guys, why should it be Marc Andre Fleury? Okay, first off, I'm gonna read you some stats here. Okay. Ten three and oh. A one point seven seven goals against average. And then 935 save percentage. Who am I? Oh, you're Marc Andre Fleury. Yes. Now, I'm 13 3 and 1. I have a 1.65 goals against average and a 942 save percentage. Who am I? Oh, 
Andres Vasilevsky. Um, yeah. Andre Andre Vasilevsky. And three straight um, shutouts, by the way. That's the Vesna race right now. I don't mean to undermine Mark Andre Fleury, who just got his 100 wins of the Vegas Gold Knight and has really taken over the net in, in Vegas. It's a sensational job. Um, but the only reason I bring up Vasilevsky is um, I saw the stat last night. I was like, what? We have a real fun two-horse race for the Vesna Trophy right now. And don't forget, Chris Streaker could probably be in there if he gets some more games. And I keep an eye on him. Mm-hmm. But, Mar- I mean, I almost called you Marc-Andre Fleury, Daniel. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just – I don't know how long this is going to last. Like, he had a bit of a a bit of a pooper against the Wild, but he still got the win. Um, That's all that matters. Yeah. But – I, I I don't know. I just I'm so nostalgic right now. Like I'm like this is this 2008 2009 again? It's that, that. Remember his first year in Vegas? He, he dominated a 927. Yeah, he he should have won the Vesna, but he got hurt. And you know the, the riders hate when people get hurt. And it's like yeah, no, you don't get it. That actually happened a lot. Like if you look back on a few of the cup, like the first cup, like the first two cup runs with or the last two cup runs with the Penguins, that he carried the team until he just got injured until like that's when like you, you allowed matt murray and then i think at the same time jeff what's his name again um he was the third goalie that played for oh jeff not no jeff um, glass not jeff glass um well this is gonna bother me but he uh he technically was the backup goalie that year and matt murray was in the ahl um exactly. played for what the year what was year it? was that Oh, Jeff Zatkoff. There you go. Yeah. Um, so that's just something that it's kind of an unfortunate thing kept getting hurt, but I'm just happy that he's doing really well. Um, I know that you guys made jokes in the summer or Adam made jokes where he's like, he's just a, he's a backup goalie. <laughs> but honestly, how long it lasts, I don't mind. Like, I'm just really happy. He's one of my favorite players. Um, I think when we did our top player list i think he was like number number four on my list so i'm just really happy that he's still doing well that especially the way he plays and the amount of injuries he had like he's playing at such a high level even at 36 i just want yeah. to say that you were gone for one episode and i gave flurry all the love and okay okay with- i know i know you did i know I'm you did i'm just Alex, uh, your, your thoughts on the goalie race so far this season? Yeah, it'll be an, an interesting goalie race for sure. I have a feeling Andre Vasilevsky is probably going to run with it. Um, but I think Daniel brings up a good point, and I think it's a point made with a whole lot of goalies is how long is it going to last. But let's just hope it keeps lasting because I think it's a really good story uh, at the end of the day. What does help Flurry is even in this old age, old age, he's like mid thirties. He's athletic. Like he's he's still in great shape. He can still make those crazy bangs. You know what? I'm rooting for him. Um, and also, you hope Robin Leonard just gets a bit healthy because he's had some hard luck this year. The Panda, they call him. They're fun. They're fun. Mark Andre Flurry is a fun goalie to watch. Fun guy. And all of a sudden. The Minnesota Wild are fun to watch too. All of a sudden, now, uh, Daniel. Yeah, it's the jerseys. I think it's the North Star jersey. Those are beautiful, by the way, aren't they? They are. I did think we were going to go. That was a perfect thing to go to Kapiro Kaprasov, but mm. I mean, what what is better, his play or those North Star jerseys? Because it is pretty close. Those are. I'd, I'd argue that his play has made the jersey even nicer. Is he basically not the new Panarin? 
he is like it's the same age that like he's gonna turn twenty four. So it's gonna be like the same thing where he's he, he's an overage Calder guy that uh, played in the KHL for a long time. Which is it's a weird situation. Like you know they're gonna figure it out now because let's just let's just enjoy how it is that. He technically, it's the same as Romana, where he burned one year of his entry-level deal from just coming to North America last year. So technically, this is his second year on the deal. So it's just they're thinking about an extension now. But from what we've seen with Bill Guerin, kind of clearing space, changing the culture of the lineup, that Minnesota is doing really well. Like Matt, like one thing that I didn't even think about are two things. Is one this half their team was on COVID protocol and then suddenly they come back and win like six in a row. And then the second thing is we have seen the, the, I don't know, the, the resurrection of a career that is Matt Zuccarello. Like, yeah. I don't know where that came from. It's because of his lizard tongue. As, uh, as Paul Fetton would say, what a weirdo. Um, though, I, I mean, make a good point. 11 points in eight games. I didn't realize how good he was though. Also, you got to give credit here, Alex, is the guys who are leading this team in scoring right now. Yeah, yeah, you got Kaprasov. Guy's amazing. Jordan Greenway and Joel Erickson Act 2 are up there. The young guys, that it feels like they've been waiting for years to really step up. They've really done. Yeah, and, and I think for me, it was something that was expected based on what I thought the Minnesota Wild were doing is that we're going to see a lot more of the younger guys than we would um, of – the older ones. And it's really unfortunate that Marco Rossi couldn't play because that it would have been interesting to see what they would have done with him, whether it was at least try him out in the NHL and, and at least um, seeing what happens. But I, I, I have a couple questions for a resident Minnesota wild in, insider um, Daniel talking about you. Um, the, you brought up Matt Zuccarello. Like, are there any other guys who our standout players. Yeah. It's kind of odd that you've gotten the most out of these guys who we kind of, in a way thought like, all right, Paul Fenton has ruined this team and he's gone. But suddenly what he leaves behind has suddenly become an amazing thing. And I think the first thing is on the roster is in, in addition to Matt Zuccarello, you also have Ryan Hartman and Victor Rask finally like breaking out. Like these guys, have finally become consistent producers that they've, they look like two things. Like they look like they're having fun and they look like, you know, they're determined to know that this is just not another wash of a season. This is a team that really wants to push to make the playoffs. And the second thing is we never gave Paul Fenton the credit he deserved for, you know, the Kevin Fiala, Mikael Grunlin trade, but also his drafting that is finally kind of showing its uh, colors. Like Matt Boldy looks like he's, he was a steal at 12 overall. He's in Boston University right now. And then one you have to really look out for is Adam Heckman or Beckman. That um, he was a third round pick, but suddenly he's become someone where like, we, sh- we should definitely watch this guy. And yeah. like from what we talked about the wild and where they were in terms of prospects, in terms of like the amount of money they're really kind of carrying that Bill Guerin's really kind of set them up to do pretty well. Like, they're going to have cap space this year. They're going to have options when it comes to trades. Um, if they do trade Matt Dumba, that's going to be a bit of a depth issue, but I think it's something that they've set themselves up pretty well f- moving forward. I know Parise and Suter are still going to be there and they're going to have to pay the young guys eventually, but 
honestly, like the whole Zach Parise thing, like what I wrote about and what's been going on lately, like he still might get traded. We don't know that. Yeah. You, you brought something up there and I have a question for both of you actually. Now they, I think they're second or third in the division um, at the moment. If you're Bill Guerin moving forward, what do you do with the team at the deadline and or the off season when it comes to the expansion draft? Daniel, may I just quickly give my thing and I'll let you do your whole oh, of course. Yeah, go much ahead. well better research take. I stay the course and I keep Dumba and I let him get claimed because I think you, you ruined such a good thing. And he's been so, what did he just break Koivu's overtime game winning thing? Mm-hmm. Simple as that, but I'm sure Daniel will give a much better explanation of, of these great guys here, but that's what I would do. Um, yeah, there's a lot of options there because like, I think that we all kind of expected one of like the veteran guys to really struggle to say like, all right, you know, you're like, we, we know you're a good guy, but we're going to have to ask you to waive your no trade clause. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just kind of weird to me to say like, it might be Zach Parise that they're going to ask him like, Hey man, like we know that you were nearly traded last year and it got, things got awkward and yeah. you're a valued guy in the community, but we know you still want to win. And he's expressed that many times. We know you still have that, that like yearning. Like he mentioned in an interview last year, like, yeah, you know, we, I never realized when I was the captain of the devils that like he said that, um, you know, this is a verbatim that how hard it would be to go back to the Stanley cup finals that he didn't realize like he was 26, 27 at that time where he captained the devils. And now he's 36. And I, I think that that might be the option they're going to go with. I think that Dumba is a bit more of a controllable asset, that he's a guy that really they sorely need on defense because in their system, they don't have, well, they have like this guy named like Philip Johansson, but he's not even signed to an entry level deal yet. So they're still figuring out what he's going to do with that because his right, his, his draft rights expire this season, but he hasn't come to North America yet. Kind of sad. He's 24th overall, so I don't know what they're going to do with that um, last from last year. And, yeah, I think it's just going to go down to Parise actually does get traded. But if it's revisited with the Islanders, maybe it'll happen because, you know, Andrew Ladd's that centerpiece that they really want to get rid of. But, you know, it's a year after last year, so maybe there's a bit more incentive now that, you know, the the, the deal's not as long as they – they wanted last like like the season before mm-hmm. right right um nashville are not getting any luck whatsoever they had a big like press release where they uh, talked about some of the injuries that they're facing including ryan ellis is now out for the six weeks with an upper body injury luke coonan daniel's favorite player <laughs> Out two to four weeks of a lower body injury, and Ryan Johansson has been placed on the COVID protocol. This, by the way, so was Crosby. What we mentioned. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. They still won. Did you see the? Sorry, before we move on, did you see the Carter Hart goal he let in? Like oh, when it became five, it became five two. I hope Carey is giving him a call and saying, "Like, yeah, I get it." <laughs> that happens. I went through it. I know, I'm Philly may throw stuff at you, but you know what? Quebec's bad. I know how you're feeling. Poor Carter Hart. Um, but we don't need to spend much time on this, but it's just the poor Nashville. Poor, poor Nashville. And I'll admit I was wrong. I had them making the playoffs. I'm dumb. Not dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
you, you got to think that with this, because the season is is shorter um, than usual, that you know, two to four weeks, or um, what was the other one, four to six weeks. That that's that's a long period of time, mm-hmm. right? Um, like Simmons was out for six weeks and he's still not back, but it feel it feels like it's been like three months. Right. So I think we, it's because there's so many more games, it's longer than it, than it actually is. Do you think at this point, they, they, um, David Poyle just says we're sellers. If anything, you, you would hope that at this point it's a realization crap. We're getting hurt here. And what is the likelihood of an at home getting hurt? And then someone's still trying to acquire. That's how I look at it. Right. I have to wonder like the morale of this team that, even before all of these things were piling up that they were pretty bad and to put this on now is just kind of like there's nothing going right with this season that you know you're not going to go on extended runs you're not going to have a lot of the core guys for a while and the whole thing with the chemistry the whole thing with like balancing out everything it's just it's just a wash now where I don't know where the Preds are going to go with now with this now and I know that they said that everybody except for like three guys are, you know, are available in trade talks. Um, I think this is not the end of the, this is the end of Nashville's, like this is officially the end of Nashville's window, even though it was technically over two seasons ago, but this is when they realize like, okay, we, we gotta, we gotta think from a, from a, a different perspective now, like this is not going to work with these contracts. Do you think, Sorry, Ad, did you have a question? Sorry, I, I was just gonna say, you know what it reminds me a little bit of, and you bring it up the point about the 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 run should have been over two years ago. What happened with Detroit? And yeah. uh, and we're talking about like we're it's a different it's not a different scale because we're talking about Detroit making the playoffs for over twenty straight years, and and Nashville was a little bit of a different scenario, but. You know, Detroit kept making those moves. They really didn't need to. And then they ended up having to tear everything down, like to the stud, pretty much. And, you know, you look at what Nashville has done the last couple of years and, you know, been trying and trying and trying and trying to bring in a number one center on multiple occasions and have failed. Too many moves, maybe. Mm-hmm. Nashville, we love you. Get better soon, please. Okay, um, Montreal, Toronto. We'll start with Montreal because they've made headlines today, haven't they? Um, yeah. <laughs> last last night. Um, you guys want to start with the game itself, or would you like to talk about uh, Stefan Waite and Sean Burke? Whatever you'd like to talk about to your team. Okay. What is the force telling you? Um, it, it, it said Ducharme. Um, because obviously last night the Canadians finally won again. Love a guy, you love to see it. Um, a really good match by them, actually, and it ended up being the first career win as a head coach for Dominic Ducharme. Uh, in that game, Carey Price, I think, was 26 saves of 27 shots, which you love to see. Wasn't very, very tested, but still for the confidence, you love to see it. In that, Brendan Gallagher scoring, going in that, and still getting, I think it was, um, I think it was a double minor release. He still got a high staking. Typical Brendan Gallagher and Jeff Petrie leading the way, of course, as well. And on that, I do need to ask you guys the question. 
He leads defensemen in goals. I think he's second in points behind Hughes. Where is Jeff Petrie in the Norris Trophy building so far? I mean, he's up there. Like, I, it's not a question of if he's yeah. up there or not. He's up there. The award, the awards are going to be very weird this year. Yeah, they are. Because I think there, there's, there's a point to what some people argue. I, I don't, I, I hate this argument because they always flip it on, on their head sometimes. But I think when it comes to actually deciding the awards, you're only playing your own division. It's like I haven't seen Hedman play. Like, what? The, what does Hedman ver? Like, what does that Hedman versus like Jeff Petrie matchup look like? Like when they go head to head, or what does Hedman look like against? I don't know. Throw me another top notch defenseman like Gail McCarr. Gail McCarr. Yeah. yeah. Like I. I don't know. It. I think he's up there. I think he's probably, if not, been one of the best defensemen in the North Division, if not the best. Um. It's just going to be tough. Like this, this when we do our, I mean, we're going to do it. I know, I already know. When we get to the award sh- nominations and shows, it's going to be very difficult. We're getting very close to the halfway point. We I are. know it is crazy. It felt like it just started. Yeah, uh, Daniel, do you have a thought on Jeff? I think yeah, he should be in the top five in terms of consideration for now. But it, it is a weird season. But he's been very consistent. He's he's been a guy where. The way I see Montreal is like when I think that they've had a bit of those struggles, he's one of those guys you look to where he's a bit of a stabilizing force. Like things are going to be all right because you have Jeff Petrie in the back end. That I think that to have that kind of confidence in a player really does establish that he is worthy of a Norris Trophy consideration. Also, um, Joel Edmondson probably had the best game as a half last night. He was really, really good, especially when he's drilling shots and – and uh, what's his name? And Austin Watson has to soak him. You love to see it. Should have been a penalty on that hit by Jonathan Druin. And that's another guy I want to get your guys' thoughts on. I don't know what it is. He was the first one to go get the, the puck for Dominic Ducharme, by the way. And then he was out there. It was 20 minutes after practice it ended. And he, he was bag skating himself. And I don't know what it is, but something has woken up in Jonathan Druin. And I, I am in love with it. I don't know what it is. But Did you see a moose head go by as you thought about that? Probably. <laughs> moose head drew yeah, on his back. Yeah, because well, yeah, because Ducharme coached him in the Halifax. Movie. Yeah. Back in the days of playing with like Ehlers and McKinnon, and again, I think. Don't forget what? Zach Fukali. Don't do that. Don't do that too. And he had like 50 wins, but the save percentage was like 905. Yeah. World Junior. Did he even win with the World Juniors? Yeah, he won the uh, second year, not the because uh, he was the starting goalie for the that stacked 2015 team with like Domi, David, Frederick Gautier. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, like this is, is uh, it feels like we're finally starting to see the true Jonathan Duran play, guys. Yeah, and, and I'm, I mean, it took a while, but I'm glad uh, we're we're at this point because I feel like we've the last, I don't know, you you could tell me better than than me, the last few years we've always had 
the hockey fans and Montreal fans have always had this weird relationship and these weird discussions about Jonathan Drouin because we just didn't know, I guess, what he was. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad we're figuring it out. I know it wasn't the extent of what was given up compared to, like, I'll say Phil Kessel. But I think was that expectation there, I guess, Adam, as a Habs fan, that you look at what Mikhail Sergachev became and then you're going to – you look at the Montreal's offense at the time they got drawn. It's like, are right, you got to be the guy? I don't give a damn about Sergeyev. Okay. Like if, I, if I spend my time worrying about guys they gave up, I would. Every team does it. Yeah. When I see stuff like they gave up the Debrin cat pick, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Like he's not a player. He doesn't play for my team anymore. Yeah. Does it suck when you see him play? Kinda. But I'm like, okay. Fair Brothers now just signed. They got Gooley. Romanov, ever heard of him? Yeah, I mean, I'd be the most flashiest offensively, but I just don't worry about it. Because it's the same thing when people are like in the draft, they pass on this player. I don't care. <laughs> like, I, he didn't get him. So did all these other teams. Does it, listen, have Montreal lost a trade? Yeah. Of course they have. They want to, like, Tampa won a goddamn cup with the guy. But at the same time, it's like I'm going to sit here and now. If you can, if you for the rest of his career compare him to Sergeyev, you're gonna have a bad time. You now have to appreciate what Jonathan Drouin has turned into. He's becoming a leader on this team, which we hadn't seen before. He's making the full effort 200 feet in on the ice, which is incredible. He's outside of his own head. I feel like that was a very, very big issue for Jonathan Drouin. It, it, he was in his own head. There's confidence there. There's a coach that knows him so well. And go out to see the real Jonathan Drew. Yeah, they needed offense. Sorry. Sorry, this sorry, this is just a bit of a joke. But this reminds me of what? You know, and like because Drew looked like he was exhausted, looked like you know he wasn't having like the best time like in Montreal in terms of like his offensive output. And is it like when Captain America has to go against Thanos and then the portals open and then you see Tyler Toffoli? Josh yeah. Anderson <laughs> yeah. and like Joel Edmondson come out. Well, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I, I've always had a lot of love for Jonathan Drew and I've always said he was the first player who I followed from his junior career to, to now. Right. Um, this is a guy who it's unfortunate that he's kind of been beating down because when the pandemic started, who was there with Mark Bergevin handing out masks outside the subway? It was Jonathan Drew. Who made um, like a donation to the hospital when he got to the team? Jonathan Drew did. People don't talk about that. Um, he is like such a great guy, and I just I'm so I'm a, as a fan I'm so proud of what he's become, and it's just the, the confidence they're they're trying him on all these different spots on the power play because I just feel like he's such a, just such a talented offensive player, and he's getting this bite, and it's just he. Uh, if, if something happens to Ball Byron, I mean, in the perfect world, they'd probably like to get rid of his cap it. I think that A is going to go to Jonathan Drew, to be honest with you. But it's just, again, like, I don't care about Sergey Jeff anymore. But again, if you worry about every player who your tap team didn't draft or trade away, like, listen, this is a team that got rid of Ryan McDonough before he played a single game. Oh, yeah, that's, that's two yeah. big parts of Tampa Bay they helped. Can't, like, can't. I'm not worried about it. Why would I? I feel I get that. I feel that with Shay Theodore. You see how yeah. I have a full head of hair? I enjoy being calm and having this hair. If I stress out, I'm I'm gonna look like Sebastian Vettel, having to have that crappy like Homer Simpson haircut. 
I'm gonna Don't look do that like. To him. Don't do that to him. No, that's so me. Remember when Ryan Getzlav had hair? I do not. No. <laughs> Don't I? I remember. I, I love when Caddy Richards has the video with him and he's got the wig. <laughs> Ever seen that? No. Oh no, there's a thing when the ducks, there's these old videos of Caddy Richards and the ducks, and they just they love giving him. It's really, really funny. I like Mark Giordano, like he actually has a full head of hair, but he just like it's like me that shaves it down all the way. I I, I can't imagine Giordano with actually an actual good set of hair. Oh neither can I. You could see the line because like his hairline is still there. Oh yeah, no, yeah, you can definitely tell. I mean, hey, it doesn't look terrible with it. Yeah. Um, anything on the game last night you guys want to mention before we go to the big news of Stefan? Wait, wait Stefan, wait. Um, for me, I don't think so. We touched everything for me. Yeah, I think just one thing, and it's just the consistency was there, the balance was there. That you know they didn't have make too many mistakes or anything, and you know that's a great thing just to have now to regain that confidence moving forward. Uh, the power play, by the way, looks kind of nice. Alex Burrows is getting his work in. Great guy, Alex Burrows. Okay, so um, the big piece of news of the Montreal Canadiens, uh, apparently during the second period, the decision was made to uh, relieve goalie coach Stefan Waite of his duties. Uh, a little context for Stefan Waite, by the way, for those of you who do not know. He was hired in Montreal in 2013 to be the goalie coach. Before that, he spent a decade with the Blackhawks. What did he do? Nothing special, just won two cups there. There's a very famous clip back in when like the Habs had their own documentary series of Michel Therrien and friends saying the lucky bastards got two with his, with, uh, with his rings. You have to feel, you got to feel for Therrien that he just missed out on getting one with Pittsburgh. But I don't actually feel bad for him because he sucked. Um, and what's really, really funny. Now, Carey Price was a good goalie before 2013. You have to look at his hockey D page, DB page and you realize that, but he got a 920 in that like his third year. Now, what's really interesting is starting in 2013 towards 2017, AKA the years he was the best goalie in the world. The moment that Stefan Wade got there, 927 save percentage, 933, 934, 923. So I believe ignoring training staff, because like Pierre Gervais and that have been there forever, right? Like you don't fire your train. Like why would you get rid of your equipment staff? That's just, you don't do that. When it comes to main GMs and staff, I think the only person who has been there longer than Stefan Waite has been Mark Bergevin himself. So by the way, if there's a last, and it's been confirmed there will be no more personnel changes because you may have heard Julian got fired last week. If we're talking about a last bullet, I think this is Bergevin's last, last within his own team bullet. He can make his trades in that, but... Um, there's also, I can't help but think there's also an emotional sort of thing here. You guys remember the story of when Carey Price thought the fans still hate, like hated him and that uh, he, he cried when he got the ovation um, when he played, when he beat the, the game's played record for the Habs. Mm-hmm. I was at that game, by the way. I gave that ovation. Damn right, I stood up for him. You know who broke that story? You like, you know who told the media? It was Stefan Waite. Proud. It's a weird, it's a relationship with their goalies and, 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 and goaltending coaches. Stefan Wade has a reputation for being one of the best goalie coaches in the world. We can get to why in a second, but the real, real problem I have with this is the timing of it. I remember I was in bed 
And I'm like, all right, I was watching whatever on YouTube. And I get a notification on my phone. I'm like, what the hell is this? And it came up. There were great headlines last night. Carey Price, great night. Power play, clicking. Ducharme, first win. Bergeron claimed he made the decision before, like after the game because he didn't want to distract the team going into it himself. What he kind of did was he ripped apart, and we're going to talk about Sean Burke in a second here. He ripped all of the good sort of coverage and headlines the Canadians could have gotten today and just put it with they fired Stefan White, which in a normal market, that doesn't get any headlines that you fired your goalie coach. But in Montreal, and probably I would say the Islanders are the only teams where that really matters. I think when Mike Camilleri was traded mid, mid-game. Yeah, well, he's – listen, there's a lot with Mike Camilleri, all right? <laughs> a lot of that was on him. The thing, the thing with this I, I don't understand is I, – and I saw Price's quotes and saying – and I think he's admitted himself he was, he's in a bit of a slump. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess that's good. At least your goal – like he's – he knows what's up. Why do it three – or it hasn't even been a week and you've played two more games – why wait three more days or so to then go ahead and fire your goaltending coach? Because I, I think if if he's fired alongside Julian and Kirk Muller, I don't think it's as big of a – like I think it's still a headline because Carey Price and, and goaltending in Montreal, everyone talks about goaltending in Montreal. I think it's still a headline. But I don't think it looks as bad – like – I don't think it looks as bad as it may seem. Mm-hmm. It definitely took away from like the six straight regulation periods the Habs were playing so well. Right. Yeah. He, apparently, he Bergeron said the decision was made like it wasn't made. Oh, like, like he, I guess he said it was made like within the last few days. I, I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he saw the first game against the Jets and how Carey just sort of fell apart and made the decision. I mean, first of all, he's also created stress now past that, and now everyone's is, is blaming Carey Price for the fire. As in, he asked for the firing, which is like, how dare you? And then that also gives – like, Carey Price doesn't do media a lot for obvious reasons. If you ever watched it, he gives very short answers and he doesn't because it's Montreal reporters. All right. Go listen to the press conference. Sportsnet put up a clip of it. It was really, really bad. Like Bossu was being really sassy with him. I didn't, I really didn't like the way he handled it. Bossu, not Bergeron, by the way. So he creates not only last night, but today Price had to field questions from the media. So he puts more stress on him. More on the team because, again, like all this positive stuff, like they're going to see this. Like the, the team, I don't think it affects them as much as, as we may think it does, but it's still there. They're still going to see those headlines. Yeah. Like the decision itself is like whatever. Like a coach's influence, we see this all the time, right? Like a, a coach, that's not with Julian. Like that voice starts getting quieter and quieter in the player's head eventually. Is it the same with goaltending coaches? I don't know. No one knows how goalies work. But I, I like the timing of this is just disastrous for me. I really didn't like it. Yeah, like this that that's the same thing for me. Like I I don't know much about the relationship between Price 
and as goaltending coach, you could probably, you'd probably know more than me, but the timing of it was the issue. Why didn't you do this three days earlier or four days earlier when you fired Julian and Mueller? Like, again, what changed? Like that one game against Winnipeg, it's not like that. It's, it's not like it hasn't been known that Carey Price has been struggling a little bit recently. Mm-hmm. So why wait the three extra days? What's in it for anybody? I don't think he was waiting though. I don't think he had it in mind that he was going to do it. But but if it's just one game, it's not like it's one game. Like it was a consistent track record here. It's not like it was two or three sample size games. You were even saying yourself, maybe hand the crease to Allen for a couple of games. Bergman did also say in his presser, I think it was something like he had seen, I think he had, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. He had also seen the ups and downs of Carey's game over the past couple of years. But then you also got to wonder, why not make the decision sooner? It's fascinating. Um, now, looking at what is changing now, and um, we started to see this a bit in the NHL. Um, the Panthers have been the ones really starting this. A goaltending department. Um, now, Sean Burke, who has been a scout for the Habs, and he's also been – we've been kind of letting him go do his, like, hockey Canada stuff. I think he's, he's been involved with the Spangler Cup. Former NHL goalie, uh, was a goalie coach in Arizona for some important times, like turned around Mike Smith's career, um, helped Devin Dubnik. Like, I think it was like two seasons after his stint in Arizona is when Dubnik was a finalist for the Vesna. Your carry one. Uh-huh. Um, and Sean Burke would be the new goaltending coach as well as the director of goaltending. Now, there's. It was a long time ago, but there is some personal stuff around Sean Burke that I am not a fan of. Um, maybe his all his hockey stuff indicates this is a good hire. That you know he's he's helped these goalies, and you know the whole point of this really is Mark Berger and trying to get his best out of Carey Price. That's how mm-hmm. that is his number one job, right? There is something in my gut that just, again, the paper side of this makes sense, but in my gut, I just, I don't like Sean Burke as a person. I just, I don't like what he's done in the past. I, and there isn't a ton to research about the guy, but there's stuff there where I'm just like, I don't like you. I really don't. But um, your guys' thoughts on Montreal starting a goaltending department, as well as the hiring of Sean Burke as well. You know, the Hockey Canada guy interviewed in Seattle, all this kind of stuff. Um, I guess I can go first. I mean, it, I mean, they're kind of just following the trend in terms of creating a goaltending department. Um, I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be more than just Sean Burke who's going to be a part of that department. I assume it's going to grow over time. But I think in that, with that, they're just following the trend. And with Sean Burke, issues aside, I think he'd be a – um, I think he's a good hire be- because he can help carry price, especially with the back half of the, of, of that contract and in terms of him and his age. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a weird thing for me. I think that like Sean Burke was someone that's been around. You always hear his name. Uh, I remember like seeing, I guess the tail end of his career, um, it is definitely weird that uh, 
they kind of go with this where you know you give someone like Dominic Ducharme a chance finally like he's a guy that you know he's an up-and-coming guy that he is gonna get this chance now as an interim coach but then it's like you already had this established thing. You didn't want to ride it through. And then you get someone like Sean Burke to kind of kind of fit, like not like necessarily the old boys club kind of thing, but just kind of like, let's get this name and let's put it there. But it, it's so odd because how do you know it's going to fit? How do you know that, you know, it's going to be the same relationship you're going to have that Carey Price really had with Stefan Wade? And how are you going to be able to foster this trust? And we're already, you know, halfway through the season. Did you really want to tinker with that? as much as you did already, especially with with what they did behind the bench. Yeah. Um, and by the way, thank you to Stefan Wait. Because you helped uh you helped like honestly one of the best couple of years of goaltending I've ever seen. Um really like seriously I you cannot as a Habstrand like express my gratitude more to that guy. And he's gonna get scooped up really quickly. Really, really quickly. Looking to tonight, though, the Toronto Maple Leafs are in action where they take on the Oilers at 8 p.m., I believe, right? Yes. Yes, unfortunately. Got to wait an extra hour to watch hockey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before we get there. Yeah. I want, I want you guys to talk about Dakota Joshua. Sure. <laughs> nuts. Uh, I believe he was a fifth-round pick. For the Toronto Maple Leafs, is that oh, correct, fourth, Danny? Fourth, fourth round. Yeah. What, uh, I honestly, I couldn't tell you what draft it was. Um, 2014. 2014. So that would have been. What I don't was know. The Nylander who, draft. I don't know who was running that draft, but um, I don't know much about Dakota Joshua except he was traded for future considerations, which obviously turned into nothing, to the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think, you know, you already know with me, I have this obsession with uh, these Leaf guys that, you know, they just never played for the team and they were traded before they, they ever sometimes even signed their entry-level deal. Um, he was a university guy. I know that he played all four years there and the Leafs kind of realized he wasn't going to sign with the team. So that's why they traded him. But I think his story is more to do with the fact that Despite all of those like road bumps, he made it to the NHL as a 24-year-old rookie this year, and he scored in his first game. Oh, that's good against the Ducks. But you know, he still scored in his first game. I, uh, I, I believe, and I've, I've said that in the doc that he might be the next Carter Verhage. Yeah. This depth guy that's just so consistent that has been able to kind of you know find his role wherever he goes. Verhage, by the way, Barkov is going to make him a very rich man. Oh He's yeah, playing the first line. I can't believe it. Shout out, Real Christopolis, for uh, updating me on Twitter about that every night. Yep. Anyway, though, um, looking to the Leafs, I think that you, Alex, need to say something about Michael Hutchinson. Who I give Michael Hutchinson credit. Yep. That's yep. what I'm gonna say. I mean, I know there's other people who wouldn't give Michael Hutchinson credit. Uh, you can go on Instagram. This is big. Uh, so I won't say his name. He's been on the show before. Won't say his name though. Won't give Michael Hutchinson credit. Refuses to. But I am not him. I'm giving Michael Hutchinson credit. I believe he had 30 saves last night. First star of the game, and he had a shutout. Uh, I think it wasn't last night. I think like night before. Is the love reignited, La- Alex? Wait, let, oh, sorry. Yeah, two nights ago. The love. We're getting there. Getting there. I'm still not comfortable with with him as my full time backup. 
Mm-hmm. But as my third string goalie, I'm very comfortable uh, uh, with him. But he did deserve credit. Like, I mean, I, I'd say the Leafs the last couple games have had um, quite a good defensive. Um, they've been quite good defensively. But Michael Hutchinson did have to come up with some very nice saves on a specific number 97. And no, it's not Joe Thornton. You know, it's something I kind of think about ever since Walt Baldwin was on the show. What? Where I think about Michael Hutchinson going back and forth, the amount of equipment he's had to buy, and then Aaron Dell, who bought a complete set for the Leafs and never played for them. I just want to point out, if you look at his last five NHL games, his save yeah. percentage is 944. Look yeah. at that. Did you, Are you going to scroll up? or I saw you scroll down there for a second. Oh, AHL games? Okay, can we scroll up a little bit more? Just keep <laughs> scrolling. Oh, okay. No, uh, okay, okay. That's, okay. <laughs> That's fine. Close! No! And no speaking good. of, as the note suggests, I have to ask, how much more time does she Why? I don't know. actually have? I don't know. Well, I feel bad for him the way he got I don't. hit. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel. Yeah, bad I felt for bad, bad for that. Okay, I was right. like, ah, oh, he's just trying. It's it's gonna <laughs> to be, be in the lineup, and then that happens to him. <laughs> I just have a feeling it's going to be a little spicy tonight. Um, oh yeah. But to talk about Jimmy VC for a second, I don't know why he's not like. I'd rather play like there's a list of players I'd rather play over Jimmy VC even on the fourth line. Even on the penalty kill, like I'd rather play Nick Patan. With no offense to Nick Patan, but he is a bottom pairing depth guy for this team. I just rather him play over Jimmy VC. Like I'd rather play Nick Robertson. I'd rather play Kenny Agostino. Like let's just throw someone else out there. I yeah. I don't know what or Alex Barabanov. Alex Galchenyuk. Yeah, sure, Alex Galchenyuk as well. Like we, what Keith. And I don't know why he's like this with Jimmy VC, but with every other guy, he was very willing to bring them in and out of the lineup with no, no issue. And I don't know if he's trying to find the right combination for the team. And maybe he thinks this is the best combination, but I don't think Jimmy VC is being very useful. He's kind of invisible. You know what? I've, I've, Definitely noticed more of the Leafs watching these, like doing the viewing parties with, with you and Mike, Alex. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I'll watch and I'll be like, my job will drop when I get to watch Mitch Barnett. I'm like, oh, great, Matthew scored again. We'll talk yeah. about him in a second, by the way, because he's back tonight. It's just like Jimmy VC though. It's like, what number is he again? And it's like 26. Okay, he's a big Jeff Petrie fan. You'll have to see it. But there, There's guys you want to be invisible. And it's generally third pairing defensemen's. Yeah. Not like, Jimmy VC though. The thing is, like, do you think he's playing it too safe? Like, he realized that this is one of his last chances. That you know, he was that hot shot guy that everyone kind of realized that he just simplified the game way too much to just try to fit in. Did Sheldon Keith go to Harvard or something? And he's just like, because yeah. wow. at this point he has like you know one of those leashes from a dog that like yeah. cracks and like. He hasn't hit the black button to stop the dog and it just keeps going and he won't pull it back. And he's just uh, getting out of control. He's running into people on the sidewalk. It's like, what's going on? I disagree with you, Daniel, there. I don't think yeah. he's playing it safe because if you've been like, it feels like he, it's not like he's a risk taker per se. Yeah. 
Yeah. Even in the first few games, it's not like he's take like he hasn't worked really anywhere. Like he didn't work next to uh, JT. He didn't really work on the third line and he's not working great on the fourth line. Like let's try something new here. Um, and I, I like, I don't think he's playing it safe. If anything, he should be a little more risky. Like, I don't know if he has the skill or not. And maybe that's where my analysis on his game is lacking because I mean, based on all the hype, he should have the skill somewhat of a skill to say, Hey, I'm going to take a risk when I'm on the fourth line to do something. And he mm-hmm. should be able to do it because his skills should be better than the guys on the fourth line. So like, I don't know. It's just it's weird to me because not a he's not an old guy, right? No. And he was decent his first year with the Rangers, and then I just don't know what happened after that. I don't know. He should go back to Buffalo. Like I, I really actually am still baffled by his game because it was there you know what i mean it wasn't like i already knew like this always happens with ncw guys like you think of justin schultz you think of uh christian hansen or like you know you think of uh casey bailey and i knew that you know i was gonna have tempered expectations when there was that build up to like who's gonna sign him but i just didn't think it was gonna be like a drop-off because he did live up to it in a way for his first few years with the rangers and then it's just i don't know what tapered off hype everyone thinking they can take advantage of buffalo or you know succeed where buffalo failed to get him it's just funny they traded a third for his negotiating rights he didn't sign with them and then they traded another third to get him at like the deadline oh buffalo they suck by the way their owners are why they're bad by the way um all right um what so news that Leafs fans have sort of been sort of been waiting to hear, and this probably brings so much joy to the world. Austin Matthews and Freddie Anderson are back. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, listen, Fred. I think a lot of people are more excited to see Matthews back. I feel like we're there's no goaltending controversy. I really think, and it's every time we have the discussion. Nine forty three, man. Nine forty You want to have a discussion about goaltending? We can. Like, I, I, someone already asked me about this before. I was talking to someone a couple of days ago, and they, they said, you know, this someone was saying, you know, the Leafs could do this. I go, if they do that, that's stupid. Like, not my, they weren't talking about Michael Hutchinson. They were talking about Jack Campbell. I said, no, like, that doesn't make sense. Frederick Anderson is the better goalie. Um, but I'm very excited to see what Austin Matthews looks like. Uh, Cause he's clearly in the best shape of his life. So <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> but I mean, he hasn't scored a goal in a while. So I bet he's itching to score. 20 shooting percentage. I'm just going to go down. But I see. No, no, he can do it. He can do it if he wants to. He'll keep it in the teens, in the high teens. Can, can he play 50 games or has he missed enough? Uh, it's a great question. Has he, he missed seven games? I don't think so. He missed, what, three or four? He, he missed, missed one earlier in the season, and I think now this he missed two or three. So, okay. yeah, he could still do it if he wanted to. Yeah, I like the James Brown. I say he does it. I say he does. <laughs> but he, he'll, there'll be big additions to the team. 
Um, if they can play like they did the last two games against Edmonton and then add a healthy Frederick Anderson and add a healthy Austin Matthews, I think that does that does a lot for the team. Here's a question I'm going to – I'll throw it to here. I wish I could talk. That'd be great. First, Daniel, we've seen that in back-to-back games, the Oilers have been shut out. Mm-hmm. Most importantly, Connor McDavid has been shut out. How long does that last? I don't know what they're going to do. I think they're just going to have to have that adjustment to kind of counter like everyone. And I love the jokes on Twitter about it, like Justin Hall, Jake Muzzin. Um, you remember that picture where like those those two Filipino parents are holding on to Connor McDavid at the yeah. airport? Yeah. yeah. And people put Jake Muzzin just like this is them basically <laughs> on their defensive strategy. And, you know, they're going to have to learn to work around that, that, you know, you can't try to keep going the same way, the same thing that, you know, it's, it's like they've, the Leafs have figured it out with that, that you're going to have to try new things. Like, you know, Connor is going to have to still play his game, but he's still going to need the support for the other team because, you know, if he's not scoring, then, you know, that's not good. But like at the same time, like he's not the whole team. Like, you know, where was Leon Dreisaitl? Where was Dominic Cahoon? Where was uh, Kylo Yamamoto? Yeah, no, he is the whole team. We know. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, that's a very good question. Cause there were, there was a, a, a debate a few weeks ago about like, what's the best top six. And the Oilers were in there because Paul Yohari was going hot and, like, there was an argument. But, again, yeah, Connor, what's it like they've won one game since 2017 when McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't on the scoreboard? Yeah, something like Like, that. Like, come on. What are you doing? But, I mean, like, I wonder if there is, Alex, a sort of jump in McDavid because he gets to go head-to-head with Matthews. And those are the two players that are the front runners for the heart for a lot of people right now. Yeah, I, I think there is going to be a jump. I don't think it necessarily affected McDavid that he wasn't there the last two games, but I think there will be an extra jump from uh, McDavid tonight. And I, I'm assuming Muzzin and Hall are going to play against that line because I think they have the last couple of games. That's going to be a tougher matchup than usual for uh, those two guys, but I think they can handle it, hopefully. Um, is it in Edmonton or Toronto tonight? Oh, that's a good question. You know what? It might be in Edmonton. Um, it is in Edmonton, so <sighs> I I don't know. I was about to go the last change thing, but I'm realizing right, no. Right. Yeah, they'll oh. figure it out. Yeah. Most co- <laughs> if most coaches figure it out. Yeah, I sound uh, like Mike Babcock there. <sighs> it's taboo. Um, no, but. I, 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 I don't think I put it in the document, but I do want to talk about it quickly. Um, man, it's going to be a spicy game. I just have a feeling. Uh, I, I think it was yesterday or two days ago that the, I think, I don't know if it was Gene Principe or someone else uh, posting a video of Bogosian and Scott Sabrin showing Travis Dermott <laughs> out of fight. Yeah, yeah, it was, that was, <laughs> Who was the oiler that got it was Chason, right? No. Oh, he's the one who got into VC's face. Yeah. We're not a fan of he's not a friend of but the show. Guess. Guess who it was who went after Travis Dermott. Oh, it was Archibald, wasn't it? Yeah. Because Travis Dermott clearly listens to this podcast and yeah. now we're best friends. I'm gonna sound like such a hamster in here, but you can't believe how pissed I was that three Habs got headshot and then it took 
And then finally the Leafs got one. I'm like, are you kidding me? In the same breath, though, a Leaf, an action against the Leaf hasn't been suspended in like how long? Since I think 2013. But like my inner forget about the sort of objectivity of the show was just like, are you kidding me? Especially because there's nothing, because there was no penalty on the brands and it drew. And I was just like, is this where we are now? Is this in the wheel? I bet it had something to do with it being after the whistle after the game ended that's I I think that's what it was I bet if I don't think they're suspending that like based on past experience they're not suspending that if it's after the whistle or or if it's Mm. mid game or whatever sorry like and the game it's just kind of like what's the point it's 4-0 yeah I mean it would be really funny if the first real bit of zest we get in the Canadian division is the Oilers and the Leafs because it's like guys what's happening here it's gonna be Josh Archibald versus Travis Dermott. Oh, why not? That'd be funny. Why the hell not? <laughs> Love to see it. Oh no, Cassian's hurt, isn't he? Yeah. I don't know. Could be I think that's why. That's why it was 4-0. I think. It could be I mean, Cassian. It could be Cassian versus Bogosian. I don't care. Yeah. As long as Muzzin and Anderson do it, whenever Anderson. Rich Clune versus Zach Cassian. Bring call Rich Clune up. I don't yes. like anybody. <laughs> Don't need the Tortorella Hartley Canucks flame <laughs> line brawl again. We don't need that. Even though, my God, was that not the funniest? Thing ever. Like, but it was. It was better when he went to the bat. When he went, tried to get to the it, locker room. That might be one of the greatest hockey moments of all time. Is Tortorella trying? It's just like the camera cut, and it's just like a massive flames, and it's just Tortorella looking like he's gonna rip a guy's head off. Or when, like, obviously Hartley, I'm pretty sure Hartley got fine because he set it up because you can't do that anymore. Like, imagine Tortorella is the one not, well, obviously, he kind of went mad and tried to attack Hartley afterwards. <laughs> it's like the thing of him going over the bench and just trying to give it to him, and Hartley takes, like, five minutes. Like, And there's a reason Bob Hartley is in, like, Russia now because he's not a great coach. The Flames have had such bad, like, Hartley... Like the the team gave up on Glenn Gullitson. What is Jeff Ward? Lucci's defending him because that means Bill, so much. Bill it's Peters defending yeah. Brady Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk. But no, let's go for the coach who lost you your series against Dallas. Okay, is that everything? Are we good? Yes, yes. Right. <laughs> I just like that that uh, end part there. Yeah, because Lucci's just such a joke. Like, I gotta watch that video again. The, the fight, John Tortorella. The, the SDB guys made such a good point, by the way, of like. Lucic knows how this works. He defended Marchand for years. And it's like, yeah, Kachuk, no, we don't want him starting. Dude, that's his game. Imagine telling Brendan Gallagher not to go in front of the net. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. All right, well, that's it. Thank you for watching or listening or anything like that. If you enjoyed the show. You can always check out the YouTube to get a video portion of it. That's great. See our faces. See my tie. I'm just going to wear it every episode, even though I'm wearing it with a hoodie. Why not? Check out Daniel's hat. Alex's jersey is finally up. Check out Alex's blog, my YouTube channel. Check out my new video on um, Stefan Waite. Check out Daniel's stuff for the eye opener, as well as his stuff for the hockey riders, all the Minnesota content. It's fabulous stuff, especially the Eric Stahl article. You got to go read that. Um, thank you, The Voice says, always for being a fantastic platform for the show. Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff, as well as us on our own social medias. Why not? Check out, if you're on podcasts, at Five Stars, Spotify, all that kind of stuff. Leave a review, and we will see you 
Sunday. Today is Wednesday. Yes. Bye. Bye.